Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hi, fellow listeners, and welcome to episode 12 of Can I Pick Your Brain? Today, I have the pleasure of picking the brains of Honoré Corda. Honoré is a serial entrepreneur, business coach, mentor, and strategic advisor. She is the founder of Honoré Enterprises, a fully comprehensive menu of coaching and training services for individuals and firms of all sizes. She is also the author of a dozen books, including Vision to Reality, How Short-Term Massive Action Equals Long-Term Maximum Results, The Successful Single Mom Book Series, The Successful Single Dad, Play to Pay, Paying for College, amongst others. Honoré, welcome to the show, and thanks for letting me pick your brain. I'm delighted to be with you. Thank you for having me. Wow, you must be a busy woman. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, I use all 24 hours of my day every day. Wow. Well, before we delve into your current success, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and what it was like growing up? Oh, gosh. So I was raised by entrepreneurial parents who were advanced degree professionals. So while I learned that education was important, I also heard if you're working for somebody, you're working for the man, he's going to get rich, but you probably won't. So you probably (laughs) want to work for yourself. And so that was my model growing up. And so it just made sense for me to work for myself. And so it took me a little while to figure that out, but I got into network marketing in my 20s mm-hmm. and did very well in network marketing. And toward the end of that career, which I didn't know was the end, right? When I would be transitioning, I was hired a business coach as a gift from the company I was working with. And that exposed me to business coaching and training and book writing and all of the stuff that I do today. Wow. Okay. So I guess first question I have is why write so many books? Why not? (laughs) I have a lot of words. (laughs) On the way, I'm struggling to write my first book. How do you manage to write and publish over a dozen books? Yeah, so, well, so I wrote my first book. It was a suggestion from someone as a credibility booster, right, to really kind of give that next level of credibility to my coaching and my speaking. And then I was inspired to continue to write books because it occurred to me that I love books. That's the first thing. And also, I'm not going to be able to have a one-on-one conversation with every single person that I might be able to help. I'm not going to have every single person in an audience that I would speak to. But my books can go everywhere and anywhere, especially in the land of or in the age of, of digital, right? So we have Kindle and iBooks and Kobo and all different ways to reach hundreds of countries around the world. And, and ebooks? Yes. So I love I love that that digital books can go anywhere. Just just to, people listening in uh, including myself by the way. I've had a book in my head living in my brain for about I don't know at least at least 10 years. Mm. How do you how do you go from the idea of writing a book to actually writing the book to publishing the book? And then marketing the book. Can you can you talk me through that? Yes. So bit? the podcast is about ninety four hours long. So we can <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> everybody grab a snack. <laughs> Half an hour, please. <laughs> no. Well, the first thing is, why do you want to write the book? That's the first question that I ask everyone who comes to me and says, I want to write a book, and I want to hire you to help me with this process. And I say, okay, slow down there, Sparky. Why do you want to write the book? And if the answer to that question is, I want to publish the book 
as an income stream to support my family, to add credibility to my business, to create a platform. Then we continue the conversation. If they just want to do it because it sounds like something fun to do, it is fun, but it's an awful lot of work to do for no purpose. You have a book in your head and it needs to get out. I would suggest that you outline that book in as much detail as you possibly can and then set a recurring writing appointment with yourself that is inviolate. What do you mean by that? That no matter what, unless there's blood spewing from you in some (laughs) way or the building is on fire, that your butt is in the chair and you are writing the words. Every single time it's time to write the words. And sometimes you're going to stare at the cursor and you're going to have a little conversation with the cursor about (laughs) how mean it is to you. But ultimately, if you have outlined it properly and you have a person or I call it an avatar in mind, the description of a person that you're writing to, the words will flow from your fingertips because it's just like you're asking me a question and I'm answering. These words are coming right out and they will come through your fingers or you could even dictate them. Okay, so you've got the book written. Okay. How do you then go about publishing the book once you've got it? Well, that, again, is 437 questions that you just asked in one question. I mean, there's a lot that goes into the formatting of a book. So you have to format it for ebook. You have to format it for paperback. If you want to turn it into an audiobook, you need an audio engineer or you need to record the audiobook yourself, which is a lot of work. And then mm-hmm. it needs to be put on different platforms. So iBooks, Kindle, Kobo, Smashwords. I mean, there's right. lots of different places where you publish it and you have to make sure that your sales copy for the book, which is different from writing the book, the sales copy is is very specialized. So unless you write copy for a living, you've got to hire someone to do that. You want to make sure you have a great cover because, you know, we do judge a book by its cover and a crappy cover won't sell a book no matter how great it is. Right. And so there's a whole lot, right? That Just starting even with the title, you've got to make sure that the title is compelling, the subtitle is compelling. All of those things are really important. Do you self-publish or do you use a publisher? I own my own publishing company. So I have 19 titles I've self-published. 19? 19. I said about a dozen. Yeah. You've got 19 books. That have, wow. Yes. That's incredible. Yes. And you self, so then you decide, when did you decide to self-publish? Uh, 2004. Okay. So how many books have you written? Did you write before that? None. None. I wrote oh, and published my first start, book in 2004. Yep. And you decided to go down the self-publishing route rather than hiring a publisher. Right. Yes. For many reasons, the least of which I wanted to make money. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Not the least of which I wanted to make money. Right. Now, three of your books are targeted at women who have been through a divorce. One book is called If Divorce is a Game, These Are the Rules. Another book you wrote is called The Divorced Phoenix. Mm -hmm. And you wrote another book called The Successful Single Mum. (laughs) Am I right in guessing that you went through a divorce and struggled as a single mom? Correct. So actually, if divorce is a game and the divorced Phoenix are for men or women who are going through or have gone through a divorce, respectively. And then there are six books in the Successful Single Mom book series. I originally wrote one book and intended one book. And then it was so... I want to say it was such a hit, but that sounds awful. Um, Why? It was, I just think it doesn't, it's not the right wording for it, but it, it, it really touched a, struck a chord okay. that I was getting a lot of questions. Well, how can I find love again? So I wrote a book about that. And how do I make more money as a single mom? Because a lot of moms struggle with supporting their kids after divorce or just finding themselves as single moms in whatever way that happens. And so I wrote a book about making money as a single mom, the successful single mom gets rich. And so there are actually six titles in that series. So yes, you I write about what I know, right? Isn't that what we're told? Write what you know? Well, there it is. (laughs) 
So what, what did, I mean, and that talk me through that. What, what did happen? So you went through the divorce and were you running your business at the time before then? Or did you start your business afterwards? Is that what motivated you to start it? Well, so I had a network marketing business before I was married, while I was married. And then obviously it continues to this day, that business. And then I went through a divorce and actually was already coaching and speaking when I went through the divorce. It was, the books didn't come until much later. I never fancied right. myself a writer. I didn't go to college. Um, so it took me until I had published about six or seven books that it was suggested to me that I could lead with author. <laughs> when I was introducing right. myself, I went, oh, okay. And how did you manage to balance your successful business career whilst being a single mom? Well, there is nothing like having no choice to help you to figure something out. <laughs> when, you only, <laughs> when you only have one option, somehow that one option tends to work out. I really wanted to be my daughter's mom and I wanted to be fully present. And so I just worked really hard when she was either in school or sleeping. And then I got very tired because working all day and then she would come home from school and we would go to the playground and I would make dinner and all of those things. And then she would go to sleep and I would go back to work. And so eventually I thought there has to be a better way. Mm. So I started studying more in-depth efficiency and effectiveness and really how to get more juice out of the lemon. Like if I'm going to spend an hour doing something, how am I going to be most effective in that hour? What do I want that hour to do for me? Do you think you were more productive after the divorce because you felt like you only had a specific amount of time and then you had to, in other words, you had to produce within that specific amount of time, whereas before it was kind of like, okay, whatever, I've got plenty of time. The first one, I only had a certain amount of time. And honestly, I don't want to work all day, every day, unendingly. I don't know that many people do. I think they just feel like they have to. But when you start to ask the question, what do I want from this hour? What can I do one time and get paid over and over, right? There are lots of questions that I ask my clients, right? I, one client I met with recently and she said, you know, I remember the first question you asked me was you only have one stream of income. And I, she said, you seemed appalled by that. And I was like, well, I wasn't appalled, but I was surprised right. that, some, that when you're thinking about how you're going to take care of yourself later, like I certainly run faster at my age than I want to run 20 and 30 and 40 years from now. So I would like there to be, you know, a big pile of cash, for me to lay on, you know? <laughs> yeah, hundred yeah. percent. But a lot of people, a lot of people will argue on that and say, well, no, you got to stick to what you're, you got to focus on one thing. You got to get good at that one thing and don't get distracted by anything else and just build that one business. Now, you're obviously saying no. No, I'm Have saying one. build that one business until that, that one business has kicked off enough cash and is running well enough that you can then diversify. Mm -hmm. So I started coaching and then speaking was a way for me to find coaching clients. And then speaking became an income stream. And then I started writing books. But coaching was something that I had done for several years right. before I started speaking for money and then writing books. And so then I can I can shift very quickly from writing to doing a coach call to having a conversation with you to shifting right back into another coaching call. That's what my day when, looks like today. When you say coaching as well, is it just business coaching or is it also relationship coaching? I don't do any relationship coaching. So every area of coaching is very specialized and I do business and high level executive coaching. And then I also have several clients who want to pursue <laughs> what they call global domination through the book business. <laughs> 
So they hire me because they know that I have a recipe for writing and publishing and repeating that process. And, and once you can get someone's recipe for a chocolate chip cookie, you can sit in the kitchen all day and try to figure it out. Or you can just hire someone for their recipe and that's and guidance and mentorship. So I looked at your testimonials on your website. and One of your clients said, I've gone from $8,000 to $50,000 in just nine months. Mm -hmm. Another one of your clients said, my business grew 63% in 100 days. How do you achieve such incredible results in such a short period of time? No BS. (laughs) That's clear. No wasted time. No wasted time. Analyzing opportunities, asking the right questions, and focus. It's it's amazing. So for your listeners, if you're thinking, how do I, how do I go through that to that other end result, right? My first question is, think back to the last time you were going on vacation and how incredibly productive the day or two days before that trip were. Mm-hmm. That you said no to the Facebook posting and the web surfing and the distracted email, phone conversation. Yes, I mean, there are so many things that where you can kind of get to the end of the day and say, what did I accomplish today? I didn't really achieve much. Because the day kind of slipped away. Alternatively, there are those days when we are incredibly productive, even if we had to smush all that productivity into a shorter period of time, because we had a limited amount of time. And so if you treat every day like the day before vacation in terms of productivity, but not in terms of stress, just Mm. here's what I'm going to do from 8 to 8.45. Here's what I'm going to do from 8.45 or 8, 9.30 to 10 o'clock. Here's what I'm going to do from 10 to 11.30. And if you block out your day, that's that's why I say set an appointment with yourself and make it inviolate. Power hours. Yes, but but not just an hour because some people, I like a 50-minute hour, 5-0, but some people are just getting into their groove. And so if the timer went off at 50 minutes, it would break their concentration. They would find it hard to get back to that space. So, you know, for me, I write in 15 minute writing blocks on the days when I am just back to back. I always find at least 15 minutes to write, but I can write between six and a th- 600 and a thousand words in that 15 minutes. Well, if you multiply a thousand words times 365 days, that's five or six books, five or six really good sized books in a year. And that's only 15 minutes a day. So think about that just for a second, the amount of productivity that you can get out of focus time that's really intentionally planned in advance. Right. right. You have to be very consistent, though, to be able to do that. Correct. Focus, right. consistency, persistency. It, it isn't sexy, but it gets you the results that you want. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's like the, the diet my trainer has me on. It's chicken and broccoli. I think I am now I now consist of chicken and broccoli. That's, that's what <laughs> so, I made up of. So do you look like a green chicken then? I look like a green chicken. Yes. Yes. The photo you see is not <laughs> is not representative of the real image. No, it's the thing is it's not it is boring in some ways right. to be that consistent and persistent, but you wonder how successful people create those results. They figure out what makes them successful and they do that over and over and over again. And then you have to take a break from that because you can't live in that environment of productivity all the time. You have to replenish your juices. So there are lots of vacations and weekend time and fun time. And so my writing schedule really looks like a thousand words a day times six days a week times about 48 weeks a year. Wow. I mean, I, I relate to that a lot. I have a pool table in my office. So, you know, if whenever I, I, I do, let's say, a, like I said before, a power hour, a power hour doesn't need to be exactly an hour, but I basically put on my headphones, put on some music, and I just, 
you know, start writing, whether it's my blog, whatever I'm doing, and I focus for as long as I possibly can until I start feeling like I need to start surfing the web and checking my emails and checking my Facebook. The minute I do that, I get up, take my headphones off and go play some pool or I go play tennis. And that just allows me to have that break and then go back to, to being productive again. I, I can't stand the whole nine to five, you know, seven hours and then one hour of lunch. It, it, it That kills people. Yes. If I ever got in trouble and was sentenced like by a judge, that would be the worst, right? You sentence me to death. That's fine. No problem. But sentence me to a nine to five job with an hour for lunch. That would be like, oh, dear. (laughs) Okay. One of of your books is called Vision to Reality, which I mentioned before, how short-term massive action equals long-term maximum results. Can you give a few practical examples of short-term massive action? Yes. So I work with people generally in 100-day increments. And so that's your short term. So it's not 30 days, which is really hard. It's really hard to see measurable results in 30 days because you just really haven't gotten into the momentum phase. But if I give you a year to do something, you're like, yes, I can put on my headphones and play pool for like the whole day (laughs) because you have such a long, a long runway to accomplish something. You're like, oh, I'll get I'll start in like 10 months. That'll be awesome. So. Uh Figuring out when your 100 days is and then identify the top three objectives or goals for that 100 days is the next most important piece of that. And then I so that's your vision. So what do I want in the 100 days? And then the underlying to the what you want, the fuel to the fire is the why. Get really, really, really clear on why you want something, because if you don't know why you want something, then you're discipline of eating the chicken and the broccoli will lose out to the cookies. Someone's going to swing by and go, I have a plate of cookies for you. And you're going to say, oh, what could a plate of cookies hurt, right? What could skipping a day of writing hurt? Because a, a day skipped becomes two days and then three days and then a week. And then you say, well, it's the beginning of March and I've been meaning to write since I set my goals the beginning of December. But Honoré, what if someone says to you that I'm motivated by money? I want to just make a million dollars. So divide a million by 100 days and that's how much money you need to make every day. And then you've got to figure out what you've got to do to bring in that cash. Mm-hmm. So what are some short-term you know, practical applications that you would recommend someone to do listening to start growing their business in the next 100 days, for example? Identify the low-hanging fruit. Okay. So a conversation I had just this morning with a client there, the year end is March 31st, right? So they're doing their 2016, 2017 planning. And it was what living on the Pareto principle, which is the 80-20 rule and the Parkinson's mm-hmm. principle, which is you take the amount of time you have to do something. If we, I want to wait everything in the favor of now versus later. I don't want someone to get to 100% a goal on the 100th day. That's very stressful. I would prefer you get to 100% a goal on the 75th day. And then it's how far can I take this? In order to do that, you've got to identify what are the most important actions you can take based on the lowest hanging fruit. So is there someone who has expressed interest or several someone's or several businesses that have expressed interest in what you're selling? Mm-hmm. Call them. Develop a relationship with them. If you have a B-level relationship with someone, someone who kind of knows you, kind of likes you, and kind of trusts you, but you know that they're your ideal client, if you could just win them over, then win them over. Right. right? Own the right. relationship and develop that relationship with them. So it's really the low-hanging fruit, best practices, and developing the relationships that are going to work in your favor. You developed and run a program called the Rainmaker Business Bootcamp. What is that? It is 
my take on how to develop a referral only business, how to develop relationships in business so that you are someone's first and only choice, that you have relationships with people so that they will pick you every time, regardless of how much you charge or how long they have to wait to work with you. And really? yes, and how to do it in, you know, those nine to five hours that we don't love or in the hours that they choose to work. So not so the 12 to 16 hour days that some people are putting in just to kind of make ends meet. So you're saying somebody who's selling a specific product or service, they could be the, the most expensive in their market and still have enough business to be to to build and grow their business successfully. Absolutely. And how would give me some practical example of how you would be able to do that? Be the best at, at what you do. Be the absolute everybody. best at what you do. Well, yeah, everybody says they are, but not everyone right. is. I mean, what's the difference between what you are providing and what someone else is providing? Become an expert. Study your area of expertise, whether it's a product or a service. You have to be the person that people will go to because you are the expert. Okay, so I sell kitchen utensils on my e-commerce website, for example. How can I be the best kitchen utensil website e-commerce business. I mean, at the end of the day, there's only so many, there's only so much you can do differently to warrant a premium price, right? Well, you better use some of those kitchen utensils to be a marketing ninja. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, that's where you have to be the person that people like. I mean, a lot of people's success or failure is in their likability and approachability and how people feel when they're around you. So, yes, if I have six people that I'm going to buy my knives from, I'm going to go to the person that I feel most comfortable with, that I that I hear from, right, that remembers things, that sends me a text on my birthday and wishes me Happy New Year and, and notices when I post that I have a sick kid on Facebook and, you know, sends me the occasional something or other in the mail, whether it's a, a free knife or a tool that I could use, like a scraper for my my pizza stone, right? You have to get really creative in the way that you stand out from other people. Because if you put two people that supposedly do the same thing next to each other, they are measurably different. Oh, no way. That sounds wonderful in principle. But practically, that I mean, that can't. not everybody can do that. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're working on a numbers game, and you're trying to get, a, you need to be doing large volumes. You can't really be going on Facebook and, you know, wishing everybody happy birthday and, and happy Valentine's Day and happy anniversary. And, oh, you had a baby, muzzle top. Yeah, how can you, I mean, I noticed that you're very active on social media, but do you hire someone to manage your social media for you? Well, so let me answer your, let me address your first thing first. You said not everybody okay. can do that and you're absolutely wrong. Everybody okay. can do it. Not everybody will do it. Let's, let's okay. just make that distinction right off the bat. Yes, I do hire someone to handle the media part of my social media. But all of the comments and interactions that I have, that's all me. And I do that because I'm never more than three inches away from my device, but I'm also really smart with my time. And so when I'm waiting at the car dealership for my car to be done in 15 minutes for an oil change, I go in and I comment and I like and I post and I encourage all right, so let me get something straight. Sure. You just said that you, you do hire someone to manage your social media, yep. but now you're saying that you're actually doing it yourself. So which one is it? You, I, missed, you missed my first sentence. I said I hire someone to do the media portion and I do the social portion. So there's uh-huh. there's a difference in social media. There is the social piece, which is, hey, how are you? Happy birthday, Daniel. Hope you're having a great day. And then there's the I wrote a new blog post and here's the post, the name of the post and the mm-hmm. link to it. 
here's my new book and here's the link to it. So there are two separate, I think some people get them mixed up, right? They think it's all social and they never make the ask or the offer. And then I think some people just do the media part, which is here's my book, here's my coaching, here's my, you know, sell, 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 sell. And they miss the social piece of it. So I don't need to do the, I wrote a post on the fortune is in the follow up and here's a link. My assistant can post that for me. But when someone retweets it or someone makes a comment about it or someone posts a picture of themselves with my book or that they got one of my books, I can write, I hope you love it. Tell me what you like about it. That's the social piece. Amazing. What is the Honoré method? It's everything that I have told you and lots more. It's really kind of my philosophy on having a business, growing a business, choosing which business to do, choosing where to spend your time and getting the most out of life, you know, developing a life and and a business and friendships and relationships that you love. Mm. One of the things you do is public speaking. You're a very captivating speaker and you have the ability to connect with the audience. Can you share with our listeners some tips on how to improve their public speaking skills? Practice, practice, practice. It is just like Speaking and being comfortable speaking in front of an audience is a combination of knowing what you are going to talk about and then just getting comfortable in front of people. And so if it, some people are hams, right? They're like, I just cannot wait to get in the front of the stage. You still have to study speaking. Uh-huh. And, and there is nothing worse than being stuck in, you know, with someone for an, who's doing an hour keynote and they're not good, right? It's kind of like, oh, right. Oh my God, I've is, been through that. Oh. When is this over? And by the way, now's a good time to do the social of <laughs> my social media, right. right? Oh, let me repurpose this time, right? So, it, so there's practice and there's a wonderful organization I'm sure you know about. It's called Toastmasters and Toastmasters is a wonderful, warm environment to go and practice your extemporaneous speaking just being called upon and stand up and, and deliver. And then also preparing and practicing and delivering a speech. I just finished reading not long ago a book called Steal the Show by Michael Port. No way. So did I. Yeah. Just finished it. I love it. Yeah. I absolutely love it. I just gave it to a client over the weekend, so I just finished it. And I think you have to study it. I think you have anything that you want. If you want money, you've got to study money. If you want to be a good at customer service, you have to study customer service or sales or speaking or whatever, you have to become a student of that thing that you want to be better at, or you want to to do better, or you want more of. And what would you say is the most powerful and effective way to grow your business in today's world? Do I have to pick one? No, you could pick a few. Well, I think it's building a platform. Okay. And the way to build a platform is to write and speak. So I would say being interviewed on podcasts, writing books, writing articles, being featured in media, right? A lot of people are doing videos, right? They're moving right. To, to Blab and, and YouTube and, and those types of platforms. I think it's the thing that resonates the most with you because the thing that you like to do is the thing you're going to do because you don't you don't think you could live without doing it. It's like writers write because they have to write, right? If, you, mm-hmm. if you're like, oh, I hate videos. I hate how my voice sounds. I hate looking at myself. Well, then don't do videos, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like the thing that you hate to do is the thing that you're going to find any reason not to do. But the thing that you love to do that resonates with you, you can't wait to do it anyway. Right. But then again, you can also overcome it by practicing and just, just doing it, jumping in. You know, if you don't like the sound of your voice, you don't like the way you, you look on video, just do it anyway. And, and I mean, I find for myself, the more I just do things, the more comfortable I get with them. And, Correct. You know, it's building a muscle, them. right? It's speaking, if you're uncomfortable with speaking, if you go to Toastmasters every week for two years, you're ultimately going to be more comfortable with speaking and you might even like it. 
Right. So you're saying that basically building uh, multiple platforms, so whether it's uh, speaking on podcasts or doing YouTube videos, Snapchats, whatever it is, being, being on social like Twitter, Facebook, blogging, you know, there are going to be people listening to this that will say, but hold on a second. I mean, uh, you know, I'm a, I don't know, I, I run a pet sitting company. What, why do I need to, you know, what am I going to talk about? You know, what am I going to write about? Well, that's a great question. I could come up with two or three things for the pet sitting business owner. What would you tell owners? What do you see owners do? What I mean, all kinds of things. I could go down that rabbit hole in for just a minute. But you really, if, when I'm asking a client to write an article that they repurpose into a presentation, a book, a lunch and learn, any of those things, I say if someone had unlimited funds and they could sit in front of you and ask you anything, right. what would they ask you? What could you give away for free? Because you can't possibly give away all of your knowledge in 30 minutes or an hour. So what are the things that would absolutely be meaty and wonderful for someone to hear coming from you that would have them resonate with you and, and connect with you and want to connect with you more? Mm, okay. Now, I'm sure many of my listeners will want to reach out to you. Honore, what's the best way for them to contact you? Just go to my website, honorecorder.com. Okay. So I'll put that in the show notes. Wonderful. Okay. Honore, you're a true inspiration to all those out there that question their abilities. Thank you so much for letting me pick your brain. And thank you to all my fellow listeners for tuning in. I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.